Welcome to the 54th episode of the 4th and 24 podcast with Patrick Winograd. I'm your host, Randy Winograd. In this edition of the podcast, we will talk about Major League Baseball and have the latest installment of random assorted important news. Let's jump right in with a look at Major League Baseball, starting as always with the National League West. If anybody was watching ESPN at any point this weekend, they probably saw the, I don't know, 12 hours a day coverage of the Padres-Dodgers series in the middle of June, which uh, was so was apparently so heated and so important for Padres fans that their public library tweeted about it. Uh, but anyway, and got that's ruined, another, got that, ruined by the Dodgers by the yeah, LA Public Library. That's response. another story. Also, San Diego's public library isn't verified, and LA's is, of course, because LA's just better at everything. Um, but regardless of that, uh, the Padres did sweep the Dodgers. They've won seven in a row. And guess what? All that gets you in the third place. Congratulations! You're four and a half games back of the Giants. At 45-32, and 32, still one back in the loss column of the Dodgers, although they're actually technically tied with the Dodgers for a second. Uh, but the Dodgers have a better winning percentage, so they're technically ahead, uh, with the Dodgers' record staying at 44-31, and 31, San Diego at 45-32, and 32, and the aforementioned Giants leading the division at 48-26, and 26, which I believe is actually, yeah, it is. It's the best record in baseball, um, even with a very long win streak in, in, the AL, in the AL West, but we'll get to that in a second. Actually, not in a second, and a little bit later. But uh, yeah, the Giants have also won three in a row. They're eight and two in their last ten. The Dodgers are five and five in their last ten. They've lost four in a row. They got combined. I guess no, no hit by by four pitchers, but no hit in their last game against, against the Cubs San, after the Padres. Series. And in San Diego, they only managed to score seven runs in three games. So that's not going to get it done. But we know that uh, that I mean, look, the Dodgers' offense. Especially when it's this injured, sometimes that happens. They they had uh, the first game. They had three projected top five guys in the lineup out from the beginning of the year. At least you could say top five projected in the lineup. Uh, them being Seager, Muncie, and Bellinger. Then you had Muncie have his first game back from the IL during the series. Then you had Bellinger have his first game back from the IL the next day during the series. But yeah, Mookie, Mookie Betts was flu. dealing with yeah. the flu at yep. the same time. Uh, defensive miscues from Mookie's native position, right field, uh, happened in the middle of the series. Uh, then you have Justin Turner resting against Chicago, I believe. Or maybe it wasn't against Chicago, but he did rest someday uh, that there wasn't much production. And look, that's just that's just what's going to happen. But at the same time, the Dodgers offense was really cold in the first few games of the series in the NLDS against the Braves and then ended up scoring 13 runs in, an in, in the first inning of a game and all of a sudden came back from 3-1 deficit. So this offense is not... Is not, uh, is not I, I'm, I'm not going to say unused to because it's not a word, but uh, it, it, this is not unique circumstances for the Dodgers to be a little bit cold and to have to come back. Actually, they've been no hit. I think it's the most times in MLB history. So it kind of it, it this happens a few times, and when you you know who you have in the lineup, and you know that when Mookie's fully healthy, Bellinger isn't two games off an IL stint, Muncie isn't two games off an IL stint. Corey Seager is back and Justin Turner isn't resting. The offense will be a lot better, and you'd think that overall, they're, they're overall throughout the season, they're they're going to get back on their feet pretty pretty soon. Uh, in the rest of the division, you have the Di- you have the Diamondbacks sitting at twenty eight games back. I had to squint to make sure I was reading that right because that just doesn't seem right. Barely what seventy games into the season or so, uh, we have the Rockies at eighteen games back. So frankly, not doing too bad in another division. They would be. Uh, well, actually, a pretty comparable record. The Marlins are nine games back in their division at 32 and 43. The Rockies are 18 back at 31 and 45. So, 
There's that uh, if you're a Rockies fan, and you also at least get the All-Star game in your city, so feel free to go to that uh, if you're in the Colorado area. And meanwhile, you have the Diamondbacks sitting at 21-55. and 55. They finally snapped their losing streak, uh, which I believe was at 17 games, and I actually jinxed it because they won the very first game after I foreshadowed that it was possible that they could tie the streak for the longest, uh, longest losing streak in the modern era. And then they've gone back to their losing natural ways, losing the next two after it. And now, good luck because you're playing the Padres, and after that, I believe it's the Giants. So, yeah, good luck, Arizona. You might end up losing eight in a row after ending your 17-in-a-row streak, which if you go 1-25, in that's pretty bad. And I believe uh, that road streak you mentioned that, still that hasn't That road game losing streak has still not ended in that. Doesn't look like, again, you never know what can happen, but it's going to be tough to break that against the Padres. Uh, and the Giants. Well, now that you said it, maybe it'll work the same way like me with the losing streak in general, and they and they'll lose and they'll win their very first road game after this podcast. Yeah, I think their ineptitude actually infected the Dodgers. Uh, they the Dodgers got rubbed the Diamondbacks ineptitude rubbed off on the Dodgers after that series. But no, you you summarized it for the Dodgers. Miscues on defense. They didn't play like the Dodgers. It wasn't the regular lineup. And if I'm the if I'm a Dodger fan, which I am, being tied with San Diego this early in the season after getting swept by them and after, after getting three sw- of the four at home yes earlier. and yeah. with this whole de- decimated lineup i mean there are guys that I- i've talked to diehard dodger fans i show them the lineup one night and they're like who are these three people yeah. so it's it's not the same team uh it's got the, got their jersey on but it's not the same team this race is coming down to the last month of the season well, it's also interesting to note that the last time the Dodgers actually trailed in the division was August of 2019, by more than five games, I should say. And yet, somehow, even trailing by more than five games in August, they managed to win a div- to win the division. It's it's June. This is still a very easily winnable division. We have 100 games left in the season. Yep. And, by the way, after the first 15 games, it looked like the Dodgers had already run away with the division. Uh, at 13 and two, while the next best team was, I think, nine and six. I think so. Look, this this types these types of things happen, but you know, it's actually funny that you bring up the uh, ineptitude rubbing off on the Dodgers. That's not a valid point, but what is is that maybe the Dodgers got a little too comfortable yep. with who they were playing against. And let's just put it let, let's put it how it is. Even Blake Snell with his six ERA on the season, his talent level and his stuff is much better than who the Diamondbacks have pitching to the Dodgers. And maybe they did get a little too comfortable. I believe so. Um, playing against some bad pitching. That's right. And beating up on it. Also with a team that made a few defensive miscues of its own then. Uh, and, and frankly, by the way, in the first game of that Dodgers series, the Dodgers didn't even get a run until, I believe, the bottom of the, or the top of the seventh or eighth inning. Uh, and then only score, and then scored three, which made it look like it was a blowout. But in the end, didn't really. And again, it was only one inning in the next game. It was... So when you start missing on these opportunities, you start not getting hits when people are on base, runners are in scoring position. All of a sudden, if you're not if you're used to scoring seven in one inning and scoring two just dispersed on solo homers in the rest of the game, if you don't get the big inning, you're going to end up scoring two, three, yep. two, I think, zero. I think I think these losses will pay dividends in the long run for the Dodgers. I think you're right. They they got comfortable. They were resting on their laurels, and I think got a little sloppy and didn't realize the intensity and the focus. You need to have when you're going against top competition. And also had a, a few guys going through mini slumps and then a few guys not as healthy as normal. And yeah. then you combine all that and that never will turn out well for any team. Uh, I, I think the only question with this division is are both wild, you know, do you have two wild card teams coming from this division? 
Uh, you I do think, right now. I'm just saying, at the end of the year, these three teams are going to be in, are in a dogfight, and the question is, does the team who finishes third get the get that wild card spot? Well, honestly, I think it, it sounds odd, but the most likely team to not make the wild card is actually the Giants. Um, the Padres are too talented to end up below the stand, end up below the Reds, the Cubs. And I'm sorry, the there's Braves only one wild card this year. Stand. I'm thinking last year. Well, yes, there's only one wild card <laughs> this year, but there, but but there is there are there are two that get to the wild card game, of yes, course. Yes. Yes. Uh, but. I don't. If I had to put my money on someone from this division to not make it, I would actually put it on San Francisco, even though they're in the division lead, just because the talent level is lower. And actually, they're frankly starting to be a little bit injured now. And and they're starting to play some up, teams with winning we records. We looked at their upcoming schedule and uh, some series that the Dodgers and Padres struggled through earlier this year are now uh, the Giants teams that they have to deal with. And those teams not necessarily playing too badly on their own right now. That includes the Oakland A's who they're playing this weekend. Yep. Well, let's move to the NL Central. In the NL Central, we have the Milwaukee Brewers in the lead, a half game up on Chicago, even with an exactly neutral run differential on the season. And after the Cubs' uh, pretty large win streak, and then also their combined no-hitter last night. But in the end, the Cubs are still a half game back at 42-33. and 33. The Reds have come on strong. We're coming on strong for a little bit. Uh, and then have kind of lost it recently, but they were playing pretty well. They got themselves back to 500. They're at 37 and 37. St. Louis is struggling. They are 36 and 39 on the season. I believe that includes two losses to the Detroit Tigers, which is not. Uh, let's just say it's not something a team that's supposed to contend for a title. Well, not necessarily contend for a title, but at least contest to get to the NLCS. Kind of a team. Uh, at least win a division is what we thought their floor might be at the beginning of the season. Uh, that's not what you want to see from that type of a team. Uh, they're four and six in their last ten. Actually, nobody in this division better than five and five in their last ten. After you had pretty much three teams on massive win streaks: the Cubs, the Reds, and the Brewers. Uh, and actually, only the Brewers are five and five. Everybody else in the division is uh, four and six. Uh, then you have, and the Cardinals also on a four-game losing streak right now. Then you have the Pittsburgh Pirates who. Even at twenty-seven and forty-six, which again, if you want to compare it to the Diamondbacks, only it's 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 multiple games off, but not a huge difference. They're still only fourteen and a half games back, and I say only like like that's not a lot. It is a lot of games back, but frankly, when you're twenty-seven and forty-six, that's a gift. Doesn't mean anything because their roster has no talent to compete for division title in probably one of the most contested divisions in the league. Uh, but yeah, that's that's pretty much the rundown of the NL Central. I I'm starting to think that maybe the Cardinals aren't the pick here. Uh, I've been I, I bounced b- between the Brewers and the Cardinals at the beginning of the season. I like what the Cubs have going actually. Um, I, I I thought before that well let's see what happens in the rest of the series because obviously we talked about how much the Dodgers have been slumping and teams are playing right now and the Dodgers have two runs already in the fourth inning. But look. If the Cubs, I saw the Cubs wins against the Dodgers as during slumps and not important because it's all on the Dodgers playing badly. But in the end, you can't keep calling it a fluke if they keep winning. So, especially their win streak that they had, their series win over the Cardinals. It's not like the Cardinals are bad. They have a lot of talent. They just haven't been playing well. Uh, Overall, the the Cubs have really impressed me. And if I'm going to change my division pick, it's actually a really big contest between the Cubs and the Brewers right now. Yeah, it's uh, it's it. They those two teams just seem to be hanging around the top with nobody seizing control, which keeps the Reds and the Cardinals in it. But uh, like you said, none of those teams are jumping up either. So let's move over to the NL East. In the NL East, we have the New York Mets at thirty nine and thirty two. 
in the lead. They are, uh, for a little comparison, uh, same amount of losses, but six less wins than the San Diego Padres, who are third and four and a half games back of the NLS lead. So if you want to talk about how the NL East could really be won by anybody, there's your exact example right there. They're basically the equivalent of a fourth place team in most in, in other divisions, and yet here. And by the way, they would be third in the NL Central if you slotted them in there. They would also be third in the AL West. Uh, I could keep going on and on. They'd be third in actually every division, including fourth in the AL East, uh, other than their own division. So it's actually pretty interesting that they kept their lead. But look, the rest of their division has just stayed all right next to 500, but all right below, and nobody's ever climbed above it. Uh, now you have the Nationals, who have been playing really, really well recently. 8-2 um, and two in their last 10 games. Only four games back, 36-37 and 37 on the season. The Braves are 36-39. and 39. They are five games back. Uh, they're 6-4 and four in their last 10. And the Phillies and the Marlins, both 3-7 and seven in the last 10 games. The Phillies at 35-38 and 38 on the season, five games back, tied with the Braves. And the Marlins, even with the best run differential in this division, tied with the Mets, somehow, nine games back at 32-43. and 43. Still can't explain what's going on with the Marlins in that run differential, but that's a, <laughs> that's a whole different story. I might have to do... A little bit of a study into that and see what what exactly happened in there and how what their record is and one run games etc cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, but yeah, it's a story for another time. But yeah, so far I mean the NL East has not been as competitive as it was supposed to be before the season. Uh, I was supposed to be the most competitive and the best division in baseball. The NL West has clearly taken the best division. And frankly, if you want to look at competitiveness, I'd probably give that edge to the AL East, the NL West, or the NL Central right now very very easily. Uh, if you exclude the Orioles and the, if you exclude the Diamondbacks and the Pirates, uh, then you have all those teams within a decent amount of games of each other. And the AL East has got a lot of teams at the top of the record. Same thing as the NL West. So, uh, yeah, the NL East has not taken that title from the from the preseason expectations. But overall, I think the Mets have been the only team that have actually lived up to their preseason expectations. Okay, well, let's move over to the American League and uh, start in the West. In the AL West, we have the Houston Astros at the top. One game back of the best record in baseball, actually maybe one and a half, at 47-28. and 28, A plus 144 run differential, an 11-game winning streak, which obviously means they're 10-0 and 0 in their last 10. Uh, the Astros have been beating teams up, and we are going to talk about that later. Uh, and we have a little bit of that in our random assorted important news. But look, they have been winning, obviously, a lot of games because they're on an 11-game win, win streak. And it has not been close at all. I, I can't name a single close game that they've had recently. Well, they had uh, an extra inning game to start that streak, but they won by three runs. Right. Uh, if you, what are you you want to list off how, what the, what the margins are? Sure. Move on to second place. We can if you want. Um, they they had two, they won two two against Texas that six three ten inning game. Then they beat Texas eight to four. So not a great team. Then they won four against Chicago ten two two one seven three and eight two. Uh, and then part of this is due to the schedule. So then they had three against Baltimore that they won 10-2, 3-1, and 13 nothing. And then you figure after you score 13 runs, you're going to cool off. And they did. They played Detroit, and they won 12-3. So they didn't score 13. They scored 12. But it is it is part of it's the competition. Well, if you want to talk about But they're doing what they're supposed to do. I don't know what Chicago team you're talking about, but either of them are not. Uh, the White Sox. Okay, well, that's even better than the Cubs. Jeez, uh, they play. They, they got four more games against Detroit this weekend, yeah, doubleheader, and three yeah, more against Baltimore. And another one on Sunday. I mean, these yeah. guys, these they, they do have a pretty, they do have a pretty easy schedule. In they a could row. go be on an eighteen-game winning streak. Well, 
remember what happened the last time we talked about that with the Diamondbacks and said that they had four playoff teams ahead of them who were all 10 games I above know, 500 and then they won the very next game. So My goodness. It can all change really quickly. And frankly, by the way, the Tigers have a lot of really highly rated prospect young arms. One of them could come out and throw a really good game, and all of a sudden this team is cold. Yeah, it's sorry, possible. I misspoke. It's not a five-game series. It, the, the game tonight was postponed, yeah. and so then they're playing doubleheader tomorrow, so yes. it's a four-game series. Yes. Uh, and then we have the Oakland A's in second, two games back, 46-31. and 31. They, on the other hand, do not have an easy schedule. They're playing the Giants right now, who obviously have the best record in baseball. Good luck there. Don't know what they're going to do with that. Uh, six and four in their last ten, however. The Mariners have climbed back above five hundred. Eight and two in their last 10, 39 and 37 overall, uh, eight and a half games back. The Angels looked like they were going to trend uh, towards the top of this division. And in the middle of the week, I actually said to myself, hey, I get to talk positively about the other team in LA while the other team while my team in LA struggles. Uh, and in the end, well, the Angels go on a four-game losing streak, matching their other LA counterparts. Uh, <laughs> and look, we I really thought that I got that I was going to get to talk about the Angels being above 500 and the front office moves finally paying off. But look, after all, this team does not have Mike Trout right now, who is frankly should be the MVP every single year because he's the only reason the Angels are semi relevant ever. Um, but regardless of that, Shohei Otani has been pretty good too. He might even be he might even finish higher than Trout in MVP voting when we get to the end of the season because frankly, Lee, he's. He's up there in home runs. Uh, he has a lot of RBIs. And also, he's a sub-3 ERA pitcher, which is already good enough to probably net you maybe one or two votes from a biased journalist or two, uh, <laughs> a hometown a hometown journalist. And then you have the Rangers at the bottom of the division, 27-48, and 2-8 and eight in their last 10. That's probably what you expect them to do. Uh, although Adelise Garcia has finally broken out of his slump, and then he hit two home runs in a game and is now at 20 home runs on the season. Hope to see him in the home run derby. Uh, maybe not, but... I, I would be so. I, I'd actually be pretty surprised if he wasn't a participant. But we'll talk about the home run derby again later. Yeah, and you mentioned the Angels and thinking you might have something good to say about the other LA team, and now all we have is something bad to say about them because they were playing the Giants. And as Dodger fans, you want the Giants to lose. And this just shows you baseball how close it is between uh, winning and losing. Extra inning game, game winning run that he thought at home plate. On a ground ball to the infield. Well, score well, called safe. Well, I knew he was out Call, immediately. Okay, but, but called safe. But thought they won the game. Didn't. Call overturned. So instead of of winning the game, it goes to the next inning, the thirteenth inning, and they thought they'd won the game, and they end up losing. They thought they'd won it uh, th- three to two or four, four uh, three, three, to two. Th- three to two. Yep. They end up giving up seven runs in the thirteenth inning and lose including, nine to three, including, including a Mike Talkman home run after he which. <laughs> Funny enough, as we were watching the game, the announcers were talking about the last time somebody had struck out six times in a game because he was 0 for 5 with five strikeouts. And of course, the very next pitch after the announcers mentioned that, he hits a home run. And Joe Madden may have outmanaged himself. What they have a uh, they, they had, had a, a left fielder well, play they had catcher. A catcher. They had a catcher who left the game due to an injury, and then in the after pinch hitting a catcher for a pitcher early for Shohei actually earlier in the game when he got pulled from the game. And then by the end of the game, you get this is why people don't like to pinch hit their catchers until very late in the game. Uh, but again, this one went in, in the extra innings. Their catcher gets injured, and all of a sudden, they had to put a left fielder at catcher and a starting pitcher in left field. And sure enough, some of the runs that San Francisco got were because of were pass, on wild pitches. Well, pass balls. Yeah, balls that the catcher didn't drop, and then your pitcher can't throw a curveball, and everything just snowballed. <laughs> it, was, it was a classic, classic case of 
snatching of thinking you have a victory and then just falling off a cliff. But and I would argue that if Mike Trout was hitting in the three hole, that uh, you don't have to worry about a ground out about a ground out and seeing if the guy gets thrown out at home and waiting for a replay. He'd probably figure out a way to hit a get, sacrifice, get a sacrifice fly. fly yep. Yeah. So again, not his opponent of the lineup, but also frankly. If you can get Shohei out of a game early and Trout is injured, that Angels lineup is is nothing because they're two. That means their two best hitters are out because as soon as Shohei gets pulled from the game as a pitcher, he stops hitting. Correct. So now all of a sudden you have a completely depleted lineup. Yeah. So frankly, could employ that strategy if you wanted to. Uh, but yeah, the Angels. It looked like it would be positive, but we can move off of them. Yeah, it, it let's, hasn't move, been. let's move to the, yes. to the American League Central. In the AL Central, you have the Chicago White Sox at forty four and thirty at the top of the division. Uh, although they are 4-6 and six in their last 10, which has allowed the Cleveland Indians to get within two games of the division lead at 41-31. and 31. They are 7-3 and three in their last 10. Uh, and then you have the Kansas City Royals at 33-40, and 10.5 games back, 3-7 and seven in their last 10, uh, losing fly balls by 10 feet because you have your sunglasses on the back of your head instead of the front of your head doesn't help. Uh, but that's, a di- that's another different story. <laughs> Uh, then you have the Detroit Tigers, who were 32-43. and 43. Somehow, wh- meanwhile, as the Royals spent a lot of money in the offseason to try to put together a competitive roster, the Tigers pretty much did the opposite. Uh, except for Jonathan Scope has been amazing this month. I believe he has 10 home runs in this month, uh, which is it's just insane. That's a lot of production to get from, from uh, pretty much who's, what's turned into a main guy and their mainstay in their lineup. Been really helpful for them. Been the reason why the Tigers are now actually two game within two games of the Kansas City Royals. Six and four in their last ten. So you want to talk about the Astros competition? Tigers actually playing well recently. Then you have the Minnesota Twins at the bottom of the division at thirty one and forty three. Thirteen games back, uh, losing two in a row recently, but also only five and five in their last ten. Which, when you look at how bad their season's been, that's not too bad. And now they're only thirteen games back on the year. So overall. Maybe the Twins can get back into it. Uh, if we still had eight teams in the playoffs from each side, I would argue that the Twins were, would make the playoffs. But look, we only got five, and the White Sox look like I don't know if you can I don't know if you can overcome a thirteen game lead from the White Sox, especially when, to be honest, I had the White Sox beating the Twins for this division at the beginning of the year. So now that they're down thirteen, it's pretty obvious who I think everybody has picked. Yeah, well, the White Sox are still up a couple games, as you said, on Cleveland having gotten having been swept in a four-game series against the Astros, and Cleveland gets their turn at Houston soon. So we'll see next week whether that helps well, even things out. They get to play them after a win streak instead of during. True, <laughs> true. All right, let's move on to the American League East. In the AL East, which I mentioned before as one of the most competitive divisions in baseball, you have the Rays at the top at 46-31. and 31. Even after unloading a significant portion of their roster, they have managed to stay really, really, not even just competitive, but they have thrived this season uh, almost nearing the best record in baseball. Not 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 quite there, but pretty close to it. Uh, and even though they are 3-7 and seven in their last 10, they have won three in a row, actually all over the Boston Red Sox, I believe. Maybe one win earlier today that wasn't over the Red Sox as possible. Uh, then you have the Boston Red Sox in second at 44-31, and 31, one game back. They pitched a no-hitter for seven and a third's innings and managed to lose a game, which is a bad sign. Uh, but other than that, the Red Sox have still been really good all season. And probably their worst week of the year, week and a half of the year, has been the last week and a half. Only five and five in their last ten, but I say only five and five. Meanwhile, a lot of other teams have have been a lot worse than five and five. I mean, you even can mention the Rays right above them, who were three and seven and still winning this division. Then you have the New York Yankees, uh, four and a half games back at forty and thirty-four. 
been coming on strong pretty recently after it looked like they had turned their season around and everybody was talking about how they'd become the juggernauts again. And then they had a pretty bad pat, a pretty rough patch, and now it looks like they might be nearing uh, a good a good stretch here. But I bet if you're a Yankees fan, you want to see a little more consistency rather than have all these ups and downs. Uh, but seven and three in their last ten, nonetheless, won two games in a row. However, they are playing a three game series at Fenway right now, which probably going to see that win streak come in. To, uh, actually, Boston's losing streak and New York's winning streak. They'll probably both come to an end at some point this weekend. I'd be very surprised if the Yankees swept the Red Sox. Uh, I'd be surprised whenever there's a sweep in that series. Uh, Then you have the Blue Jays, who are six games back at 38-35. And And need I mention the Baltimore Orioles, who are 23-52, 22 games back, 1-9 in their last 10, six-game losing streak. Although, to be fair... Uh, the Blue Jays have also won have won five in a row and are still only five and five in their last ten. So they were going through a pretty rough patch too until they ran into the Orioles. So are the Orioles officially done? I think I named them before. The last week, yeah, you did. I think okay. they were my first team. And then or maybe uh, Arizona and a high profile debut in the American League East. Yes, of course we have Wander Franco, the top prospect uh, in all of baseball, making his debut. He had a very nice debut, although the rest of the week didn't treat him too nicely. He currently has a 182 batting average, but that's a little overanalyzing because he also has two or three walks. And when you talk about only three games of a sample size, it's not really fair to talk about batting average yet. Uh, what I can say is that he hit a game is he hit a tying three-run home run in his debut uh, after pulling up to the game in the Rolls Royce. So not only is he is he uh, is he very very stylish? But he's also backing up his style with his play, at least so far. Uh, and we'll see what happens with the Rays. Obviously, Franco actually coming up playing third base, which is interesting because a lot of people after the Rays traded Willie Adamas thought that he would come up as the shortstop, and they actually brought up a different prospect, Taylor Walls, up instead. So very very interesting. But now you have Walls and Franco, probably the youngest uh, left side of the infield in all of baseball. But anyway. Pretty good infield that the Rays got. Pretty good team that the Rays got. Everything's going well for the Rays right now, uh, except for, I guess, uh, the, the first half of their last 10 games. But we'll see how they do this weekend uh, against the Angels, actually, who, as we've mentioned, haven't been playing very well. Uh, but, yeah, that's it for the AL East. All right, and that wraps up our look at Major League Baseball for this week. Now let's have our latest installment of Random Assorted Important News from the World of Sports. We talked about Naomi Osaka and Rafael Nadal not playing in Wimbledon, and now the defending champion on the women's side, Simona Halep, has withdrawn to the t- from the tournament uh, due to a persisting calf injury that she's been dealing with, which I believe also held her out of the French Open, if not made her withdraw in the middle of the French Open. Uh, not quite sure, but yeah, you never want to see a defending champion not be able to participate in any event. Uh, whether you're talking about a whole college baseball season being postponed, a home run derby, which we'll talk about that uh, in in a little bit, or if it's something, or if it's something like a tennis tournament, and obviously defending champions in tennis tournaments are even more important because they end up mostly being uh, pretty highly ranked teams. But nonetheless, I don't think I don't think missing Simona Halep is going to change Wimbledon too much. Although missing Osaka at the same time too is a big deal. And you also have an injured Roger Federer on the men's side and no Nadal. So it looks like you might be having some runaway victories for uh, some of the top seeds. But again, last tournament ended up in an unseeded player winning. And probably these circumstances breed themselves towards that too. 
Yeah, always disappointing when uh, you lose some of your top names, but such is life these days. Uh, we're not fully back, um, and I think this is going to continue to happen. I mean, we Although that, this is not a COVID thing, this is just an injury thing, but, but again, might, they are linked, as yeah, we've discussed with the, the NBA with the and NBA, Exactly. Yeah. I, I think that just people being out of practice, they're getting hurt more. And, we'll talk, and we'll talk more about some of those links um, yes. to injuries in, in the a, next two topics, and actually in the next three topics, I should say. Uh, starting with, we talk about we talked about this last week also, Shohei Otani, hard name to say, um, became the first MLB player to be, con- to be a confirmed participant in this year's Home Run Derby last week, which, by the way, should be very exciting because it's in Colorado uh, where the ball just flies out. Uh, we now know that Fernando Tatis Jr., an MLB home run leader at 25 home runs somehow, even 70 games into a season, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. will not be participating uh, Tatis because he has a little bit of a shoulder injury and he does not want to aggravate it which actually has been uh, a reason that Aaron Judge cited in the past to not participate in a home run derby and why he continues to not do it. Uh, and Vladimir Guerrero citing that he just wants to stay fresh. And frankly, when you're hitting 345 and you have an above 1,000 OPS and you're the league leader in home runs and tied in for league lead in RBIs, I don't blame you for wanting to stay fresh because I would rather win an AL MVP then win a home run derby, and I think everybody would agree with that. I think he just wants to stay home because he hasn't. He's been in Tampa on the road, and now in Buffalo all year. So now it's probably his only chance to be in his hometown. That could also be a good reason. Although I think he might stay. Although I think he might participate in the All Star game, just not in the home run derby. Oh, he hasn't good point. ruled that out yet. So much um, for that. But on a more positive note, defending his title, which included a twenty-three to twenty-two win in the finals over Vladimir Guerrero Jr. In the finals in 2019, which, by the way, that was the last time we had a home run derby because there wasn't one last year. Uh, Pete Alonso from the Mets will be participating, and that news was actually came before Tatis and Vladdy's news, which, honestly, in my head, I, I thought immediately after I saw that Alonso was confirmed that uh, Tatis wouldn't be in it because, look, Alonso is actually tied for 61st in the league in home runs at 11 compared to Vladimir Guerrero's 25. Uh, and Shohei, who I believe has 23 or 24, uh, and same with Tatis, somewhere in that range, in that 22 to 24 range. So when you reach far, that, that when you reach down that far on the home run leaderboard, even though he is a defending champion, it's two years removed. So when you reach that far, something might be up, and I, and I, I assume that's what might have happened. Also notable, though not as notable, no offense to him, but Gary Sanchez also said he will not be participating. And I mentioned Aaron Judge has already said, uh, I think I said this last week that he won't be in a home run derby until it returns to New York because it feels like the injury risk is kind of a little silly and otherwise he's only going to do it to entertain his home fans, which I don't blame him for. And speaking of more injuries and staying fresh, we have the much-anticipated USA basketball roster for the Olympics, although I will say this roster is not what we thought it would be going into this year and probably... If uh, if there were if there wasn't a COVID shutdown and this whole thing didn't happen, probably a significantly downgraded roster from what would have been sent there in 2020, considering who was injured back then. Uh, the best player uh, and the highlight of this roster is Kevin Durant. I, I would also say Damian Lillard and Brad and uh, Bradley Beal and Devin Booker make up a pretty pretty good guard trio. But then the next best player you probably have on this team, I would say, is uh, Jason Tatum, and then. The rest of them, you got Chris Middleton, Draymond Green, Drew Holiday, Kevin Love, Bam Adebayo, Zach Levine, and Jeremy Grant. Uh, notably, no Kyrie, no James Harden, no LeBron, no AD, 
most of them because of injuries. Uh, I think Chris Paul could have been included on this roster. Uh, frankly, unless he's participating for the Bahamas, who I don't even know if they qualified, I don't know why DeAndre Ayton isn't on this roster instead of Kevin Love. It frankly makes no sense to me because, honestly, Ayton's looking like one of the best bigs, if not the best center in the entire league right now during this postseason run. Uh, and his teammate, Devin Booker, is participating, so it's not like he would have denied due to it being too close to the end of the season. Uh, but, yeah, that's this is the roster we have. And, look, I, I'm not going to lie. Th- these 12 should still be enough to beat anything that any other country has to throw at the U.S. Although, when you consider it, there are some teams. I mean, you got Giannis, who might be playing for Greece. you got Nikola Jokic, who will be playing for Serbia. Look, there are a few teams who actually have uh, better players than— pro- I mean— nobody's better. Maybe there isn't a player better than Kevin Durant, but that, again, that's a different debate. Uh, but look, there are players who can rival pretty much every player on this roster. I would say outside of Kevin Durant and Damian Lillard in the Olympics that might be participating for other countries. So I wouldn't rule out the U S losing just yet. Frankly, uh, it's not like it hasn't ever happened before. So it's possible. And, and honestly, look, when you look at some old lineups where you got LeBron, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosch, Carmelo Anthony as, as pretty much, a sixth man uh, on these rosters and Kobe. Look, this this roster does not compare to some of the rosters the U.S. has had in the past. No, nobody's calling this the dream team. Uh, yeah, neither is it the redeem team either. And frankly, we might have to have a redeem team in 2025 or 2024. I for, I actually don't know what they're doing with the Olympic cycle, but we'll see about that. No, I think it's just it's going to be 2024. All right, okay. Uh, but anyway, moving on from that, uh, NC State played a College World Series game today with only 13 active players after a positive COVID test within the team, we believe, and subsequent subsequent contact tracing, which held the other players out just due to the, the nature of the NCAA's protocols, uh, they managed to only lose 3-1 to one to Vanderbilt, which I would argue was a pretty big success considering they only had four pitchers on their roster. And they actually did manage to score a runoff of Kumar Rocker, who has been an ace for three years, uh, actually no hit Duke two years ago in... Or yeah, two years ago, I should say, uh, as a freshman. Now he's a junior uh, in the College World Series in an elimination game. So, look, Kumar is clutch, and he also won them a game in the World Series that they eventually won uh, and helped them win the national title. And they will play again tomorrow against Vandy for a berth in the College World Series finals, hopefully with their team back because, look, as much as I want my, my, uh, my pre-tournament pick to win it all, I would not like to see it after them playing against a roster with only 13 players. I was going to say, it's very magnanimous of you seeing us how you picked Vanderbilt. So, Yeah, I, I, it would just be a bad way for their season. Also, because they've had such a Cinderella run for it to end on COVID injuries, uh, or on COVID injuries, um, on COVID on COVID issues, it would be pretty bad. Uh, and frankly, it's pretty much the most major uh, discovery, I think, of COVID within an NCAA game, pro- within the NCAA tournament, probably since VCU had to withdraw from the tournament uh, in basketball. basketball. Yeah. Uh, although Michigan and I think Notre Dame also withdrew from the ice hockey tournament due to that, which is an even, an even smaller field. Uh, so there have been some issues. And look, NC State luckily didn't have to withdraw from the tournament. Uh, but they even actually said before the game they might even consider forfeiting in the middle of the game if the game was was out of reach and they didn't want to use their pitchers, which is really sad that any team has to Pretty ever smart, think about though. that. But uh, yeah, in the end, it was only three to one. So they were definitely not thinking about that. Actually only ended up using two pitchers. But moving on from that, uh, talking about pitchers, after Jacob deGrom flirted with Tom Seaver's record of 10 straight strikeouts earlier this season, frankly, multiple times when you consider how good deGrom is, 
Uh, Aaron Nola actually did tie the record today, ironically enough, against DeGrom's Mets. Uh, and to add to the irony, even after not giving up a run in a seven-inning game, the Phillies managed to lose the game in quote-unquote extra innings, although it was actually the eighth inning, and they did give up a run in seven innings. I should say Nola did not give up a run in any of the innings he pitched. Uh, and I think that's pretty ironic that you tie a record that, that that's that big of a record, and somehow your team doesn't manage to win, especially considering that it was a seven-inning game. All they need to do is manage one run, and he... He gets taken out in the sixth, and all of a sudden, it's just one pitcher to get you through the game, and they still couldn't figure it out. Uh, and then the last one in baseball, on a more positive note, uh, although congrats, I guess, to Aaron Nola, obviously, for tying that record. Very long-standing record. I believe 51 years it stood for until he just tied it. Uh, the Astros, as we mentioned earlier with their run differential, had a plus 70 run differential over their 11-game winning streak which is still ongoing. They play the Detroit Tigers in a doubleheader tomorrow and again on Sunday, so the streak may continue, and you talked about the rest of their uh, schedule. Their run differential from those 11 games is an interesting tidbit. Would be sixth in the league for the entire season, if you inc- if you exclude the Astros themselves, who, if you exclude uh, these 11 games, would have a plus 77 run differential. Just a little bit better, but again, there aren't 31 teams, so I'm not going to count the Astros and the Astros... Uh, and the Astros' last 11 games. In the end, it's a ridiculous run from the Astros that we talked about earlier. All right. Well, that will wrap up our random, assorted, interesting news in the world of sports. And Important this edi- news. How dare you call it just interesting? Sorry. Important. Very important. I think it's more interesting <laughs> than important. But, All right. Fair enough. Uh, but not only does it end that segment, it ends this edition of the 4th and 24 podcast. So please join us for our next podcast, which will be on Monday, June 28th, where we'll have our weekly look back at the latest NBA action. See the accuracy of Patrick's weekend predictions and discuss who should be in the Major League Baseball All-Star Game, all Dodgers. In the meantime, be sure to check out Patrick's additional content, including his Major League Baseball power rankings on our website, 4thand24.com. That's the number 4, T-H-A-N-D, the number 24, dot com. Thank you for listening.